sing together. Oh, 
We are glad that you have joined us this morning, whether it's for those of you that are here with us in person or those of you that are joining us online this morning. Glad uh, that you are with us. Want to take just uh, a minute or two to hit some announcements and talk about a couple things going on as we are uh, kind of moving now into the fall. So you've heard us talk about uh, our school supply drive. So we're uh, going to be getting school supplies. Uh, for Ruth Upson Elementary, which is our adopted elementary school, and also uh, for our daycare here at Murray Hill. We've got the list that has been passed out uh, to our group leaders, uh, and that list is also going to be available on our website. You've probably seen it posted to social media. So if you are out and about in the stores, or if you're one of those people that are doing the online purchases and then pulling up and having them put it in your car for you, if you would be mindful of those things, uh, and if you have an opportunity to grab a few things, uh, we would love to have uh, the opportunity as the school year starts to bless our 
uh, teachers and also with our daycare uh, with some of those things. Uh, we've got online giving, which is an option uh, for those of you who would like to pursue that. You can check that out uh, on our website. And also, we still have our Tuesday Zoom, our Wednesday Zoom, and our parents. Parents, we need you to complete the survey uh, for how we can come alongside you and support your kids, uh, as right now we are obviously not doing uh, our kids' ministry here on campus in the brick and mortar, trying to do that online and want to do that uh, the best way that we can for you. So those are our announcements this morning, so I now want to transition and tell you something good. Tell me something good. As the virus continues to ravage the developed world, an often overlooked group are developing nations and how this virus may affect them since they often don't have extensive ICUs and multiple hospitals to provide care for patients. Avi Gupta, the reigning Jeopardy team tournament champion, believes he may have found a solution. As a part of a volunteer team, they have created the Life Mech Adapted Ventilator System in their garage. They have a GoFundMe set up to help get these ventilators to countries like Zambia, Nigeria, and Bangladesh, and each ventilator costs $400 to create. They've decided to open source their plan so anyone can have access to the steps needed to recreate these inexpensive and effective ventilators. Tell me something good. Due to COVID-19, many school districts have made the decision that it's not safe for teachers or students to go back into the building. One of those districts is the Philadelphia School District in Pennsylvania. They're going to start the school year completely online, but knew that many students didn't have the technology needed to allow for online learning. They planned throughout the summer and partnered with nonprofit agencies and businesses to create Phil Connect Ed. It supports digital equity throughout the district. In preparation for the school year, they have already distributed over 100,000 laptops and worked with internet companies to provide two free years of internet to students in their district at a cost of zero dollars to the families. So you may have already seen this uh, circulating online, but this was one of my favorite uh, stories this week. Uh, a 23-year-old man named John Caprone was walking through an antique store and, with permission, sat down at a $200 Whitney piano and surprised the patrons with his rendition of Don't Stop Believin'. It drew a crowd in the store and a video was posted by one of the employees receiving thousands of shares and comments, including people wanting to buy the piano for him. The problem was... John was following the health guidelines and wearing a mask, so no one actually knew who he was. The store put out a call for him. It was picked up by the local and national news, and John got wind of it, coming back to the store, being very excited about the opportunity to get his first piano. The biggest surprise was still to come as the owners decided that instead of giving him the $200 Whitney piano, they'd give him the $3,000 Steinway that they had in the back of the store. 
So I don't know about everybody else, uh, but getting a new pair of shoes for the first day of school was always one of our fall rituals as my parents got us ready to go back to school. For the 10th year in a row, News for Jacks sponsored the Positively Jacks Kicks for the Kids event for families to be able to get new shoes for their students who are going back to school. They had to make changes this year, including having families make appointments to allow for social distancing, using fewer volunteers, and providing masks for all the volunteers. The drive collected 933 pairs of brand new tennis shoes from locations as far away as Texas, and were able to give away shoes to 723 students this year. Let's join in worship again. Join us as we sing this hymn together. I stand amazed in the
Lord, your love truly is amazing. And so I pray that as we worship you now, you would help us to see that even in the midst of so many unanswered questions, even in the midst of sickness and illness, even in the midst of angst and despair, you are there. And so, God, I pray that you would help us now, that you would help us to realize that you are there for us to put our faith in, to turn away from the things that this world is presenting, and instead to follow Jesus, our King. So I pray that you would help us to do that.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus has been given that name which is above all names. That one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And Father, we come today because we don't have to wait for that day because we claim you as Lord right now. We thank you that we have a king who is willing to die for us. We thank you that no power of darkness can stand against him. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you in our spiritual journeys. And Father, I pray that this time would be everything you want it to be. I pray that it would bring you honor and glory in every detail. I, I pray that this would be a transformational time for us. And it's in that wonderful and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so, my wife and I have a little white dog, solid white. It's a little West, West Highland White Terrier, or a Westie, by the name of Jax. Jax has a problem in that he is codependent. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. He is codependent. And so whatever room we are in, particularly my wife, whatever room she is in, he is going to be in that room, all right? And if we're together, he'll be, or she's not there, he'll be in the room with me. And typically, he will be in the middle of the floor laying out so that we have to step over him so that we will acknowledge the fact that he is, in fact, in the room. And when we sit down, uh, he jumps up on the furniture, gets behind her neck, and just hangs out. He has this codependency problem. It's a very real thing. Well, our house that we are refurbishing has an upstairs, and uh, the stairs that were made were made before they would have had to been inspected, okay? And so uh, it is very steep, it is very narrow, and the steps are very high, and our little white dog with his short legs can't run up the stairs. He tried uh, and got to about the fourth stair, and he fell back down, and so he quit trying, so we would go upstairs, and, and we'd be upstairs, and, and um, 
you know, he'd just whimper and whine, and of course, eventually one of us would, would get him. But one day, we were up there talking, and all of a sudden, he came running around the corner. He was like, is somebody else here to help him? And so we took him back down a few days later, same thing, he showed up. And he, he figured out how to get up the stairs. He couldn't stand the fact that we were upstairs, he was downstairs. And so what he does is he turns sideways and jumps one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, until he finally gets to the top, and there he just gets so excited because he found us, right? Now, I tell that story not just to let you know my dog's weird, but, but there is a spiritual truth here. On this journey of faith and our relationship with God, there have been times we've been just like Jack's. That we were so in love with Jesus that we just couldn't stay away from him. That no amount of time of busyness would ever keep us away. That no scheduling, no, no difficulty in life, no heartache, no disappointment, no loss of money would, would ever keep us away because we just couldn't wait to hang out with the king. And if you've been on this faith journey, you, you know what that feels like. And you know, man, and what a great place of peace and joy that is. But isn't it crazy how life gets in the way? Isn't it crazy how we, we lose that? And, and here's what happens to us, and, and please, please hear this for what it is. We have a real problem. And James, who we're going to use as our passage today, James would call us double-minded. And the idea is, is what we try to do is we, we try to have one foot in each kingdom. See, the, the reality is there, there are two kingdoms in the world. Right? Take all the countries off. Take all of that away. There, there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And what we try to do, though, is we try to have a foot in each camp. We, we want to have the best the world has to offer and the best that God has to offer at the same time. And, and so James would look at us and say, you're being double-minded. Now, I, I'm, I'm telling you all of this because one of the questions I'm getting over and over again, is this the end times? Is this it? Well, the truth is, I, I don't know, number one. But number two, I really don't think it is. And the reason I don't think it is is because Jesus said he would come as a thief in the night. Someone that we didn't know who was coming. We weren't expecting him. There's a lot of people expecting him right now. So I could be wrong, and I will say that up front, but I, I just... I don't think, I think there's something else going on. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I think today what's going on in 2020 is a call to repent. It's a call for God's people to come back to God. It's a call to stop living the double-minded life. It's a call to turn back to him and get right with him. I think if you will look closely and if you will take some time to think about it, you will see that God is slowly allowing our idols to die. And all of the things that we trust and all of the things that we hope in, he's slowly taking those away or allowing those to be taken away, however you want to say that, so that we will come back to him as his people. See, I think it's a call to come back. It's a call to come home. 
It's a call to rediscover Jax's excitement to see his owners when they get home. It's a call to renew that love for him and that excitement to be with him. It's a call to come home. And if we miss that in 2020, I think we're missing one of the biggest things that God is is calling us to. So I want us to look at James today, chapter 4. Now, what can I say about James? James, to me, every time I read James, I think of the old Muppet show. You have to be a certain age to to think of that. But I think of the old Muppet show, and I think of the two grumpy old men sitting in the balcony, laughing at everybody, telling everybody what they're doing wrong. I kind of see James that way. Because when you read through his, his letter, uh, he's really ticked off. He is telling people all the things that we're doing, they're doing wrong and how they need to get it straight and how they're living a double-minded life. In fact, he, he says it so plainly, if your faith has no works, it's not a real faith. You're a pretender. I mean, he just point out, point blank says it. And so, uh, so James is, and, and please understand that most scholars believe that this was the first book written in the New Testament, so it would have been around 50 A.D., which means the church was just 20 years old. And so the problems that they were having came on real early. And so because people are, make up the church, uh, we have a tendency to mess things up a little bit. So James chapter 4, and um, we'll, we'll be verses 4 through 10. And in this, he's talking about the conflicts that are found in the church and why they have them, and because it's based on selfishness and this double-mindedness. So James chapter 4, starting with verse 4, James writes, writes this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. All right, so I really want to focus on verse 10, but we're going to go back through the rest of it as we do that. The solution to all of this is to humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. All right? James says you're double-minded. Here's the answer. The first thing you have to do is humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. If you're double-minded, if you're living in both worlds, if you're trying to have a foot in both camps, the first thing you have to do is humble yourself before God. So back to verse 7, that means to submit yourselves. The word submit means to put someone else above yourself, to let them be in charge. If we were in war, submission would look like this right? Submit yourselves to the Lord. Surrender. Give up. Quit trying to have it both ways. Surrender to him, right? And so surrender is is letting God have charge, letting him have control of your life. Then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Something that's very interesting and won't spend a lot of time here, but but one of the things Hollywood has convinced us, they convinced us that Satan and the demons are these powerful beings that have all this control over us. That's a bunch of hooey. 
As followers of Jesus, the victory's already been won over the enemy. We just have to resist and not give in. So I'm not trying to downplay the reality of the, of the warfare. I believe that it's real. But Jesus already won the victory. We don't have to lose sleep over that. That's all I wanted to say there. All right. So resist the devil and he'll flee for you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Uh, this is a big deal. God is a gentleman God. He will not force you to be in relationship with him. He will not force you to love him. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. If you read through the Old Testament, the prophets came to the Jewish people time and time again. And what they said to the people on God's behalf was, God says, come back to me and I'll come back to you. Come to me and I'll come to you. And it's not like God is running away from us trying to hide. James says, go to God. He, he's ready to come back. Like the father and the prodigal son, he is waiting, looking over the horizon, waiting for us to come so that he can run to us. Come back to God and he'll come back to you. But as a gentleman, he will never force that. He will never make you do that. You have to choose. See, what, what happens to us in this journey is that we try to have a foot in both camps, and we think, well, I'll follow God, and then I'll chase the things of the world, and life will just be grand. I'll have everything I could ever possibly want. But there's a problem with that. Jesus said it can't be done. Jesus said it plain. <clears throat> he said it clearly. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. They're mutually exclusive. And so James is following up with that, Jesus' half-brother. And he, he's saying, listen, you, you can't pursue the things of the world and the things of God. You have to choose. See, the church was already dealing with that reality. Jesus told the parable about the, 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 the farmer and the seeds, and some of the seeds landed on the road, and the, the birds came to eat that, and then some of the seeds went into to shallow soil, and they popped up immediately, but the sun came out and killed them. And then there was the third group of seeds that fell on good soil, and they grew up, but the, the weeds grew up with them and choked them out. Man, that's part of what's happening to us. We want it both ways. We want to have everything the world has to offer and everything God has to offer. And scripture says no. See, that's why in America, the prosperity gospel is so attractive. Because in that gospel, then, if I pursue God, then God is obligated to give me what I want. That's not in the Bible. They're making that up. That's not true. And so we, we have to come to this conclusion and this understanding that, that we can't have it both ways. just can't. See, we've forgotten our place. I'm reminded of the story in Isaiah. When Isaiah was called, he was in the temple and found himself in the throne room of God. And Isaiah's response, he thought he was going to die. His response was, I'm doomed. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And an angel came and took a, a coal from the fire and touched his lips to purify him. Isaiah thought he was going to die because he was in the presence of God. 
And we forget who God is and who we are. We forget that he's God and we're not. And we try to make ourselves equal or at least try to make God fit into our understanding of who we should be. And we forget our place. He's creator, we're creation. I was out shooting skeet with my father-in-law one time. There were four or five of us, and it was one of those days that I couldn't hit the side of a barn with a 12-gauge. I don't know what was going on. I was shooting behind the skeet, and I couldn't hit anything. And so I was hitting about half of them, which is is really horrible. And so my father-in-law looked at me, and he said, well, maybe something's wrong with your gun. (laughs) So he took the gun, and he said, all right, put two skeet in, and, and he shot them off, and bam, bam. Well, it's not the gun. Now, my father-in-law is not the kind, his personality is not that he was making fun of me. He said, here, you try again. Let me stand behind you. Maybe I can figure out what you're doing. But it was in that moment he handed me the gun back. I was like, man, I stink at this. I really need to practice. And it was at that moment I realized the reality of it all, and I was brought back to the earth and said, well, I'm just really bad. Somehow on this journey, we have convinced ourselves that we're more important than we really are. And and please don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you don't matter. You're created in the image of God. You're a beautiful being, and you matter to him. But he's still God, and we're still not. And so this idea of humility, of humbling ourselves, is remembering who he is, to be overwhelmed by his majesty again, to be overwhelmed about how big and powerful our God is, how Isaiah described him as one who can measure the universe by the span of his finger and hold the waters of the earth in the cup of his hand. He is this huge, powerful, amazingly big God, and we're nothing but creation. James says, listen, when you forget who you are, you become double-minded, and you need to stop. If you keep reading the passage there, he talks about washing your hands and and purifying yourself. All of those have to do with Jewish rituals and humbling yourself before the Creator. James says it's time to stop living the double life. There is in this reality that we face now I believe, a call back to humility and understanding that the most important reality is God himself. Well, the second part of verse 10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's, it's a very cool picture, and this is going to really over-personify God when I, when I say this. But, but imagine yourself down on your knees before God, right? You've humbled yourself. And I better keep this one up or I won't be able to get up. All right, so imagine yourself kneeling before God. And it's, again, this is over-personification, but imagine God sticking his arms under your shoulders and picking you up and putting his arms around you and hugging you. And the picture of what James says is, listen, when you humble yourself before the Lord, he's not going to run away. He's going to restore the relationship. He's 
going to restore it. See, it's really hard for us to understand that. Because if somebody hurts us, we don't forget it. Right? We may hang out with them again. We may trust them a little bit. But it's never really going to be the same. Because that event or events in the past, they're they're there. We're not going to forget. We're going to hold on to it. We're going to keep our guard up. God has this incredible ability to act like it never happened. It's phenomenal. And that's what James says. If you humble yourself before God, he will pick you up and restore the relationship. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. And that's what our call is right now. To realize what we've become, to come back before God and put him in his proper place or acknowledge his proper place and let him restore the relationship. I remember about six or seven years ago, as I age, all the years run together. I don't know when it really was, but it's somewhere back in there. I was having one of those times in my life when God seemed so far away from me that my, my prayers to me were hitting the ceiling and not going any further. And I was headed down this road and, and, and probably not that far from a depression, but I would have never admitted that at the time. And I was going through all of my duties here, and I would preach on Sundays, and people would come to me after we were done and tell me what a great job I did. And while they were, did that, verbally I would say, thank you so much. Internally, I was like, I'm just glad it's over. I want to go home. I'm just glad it's done. Every Bible study was that way. Every small group was that way. Every Sunday was that way. I just wanted to get through. And one day I woke up and I thought, this is ridiculous. What's going on here? And I began to process and I began to realize how I had allowed uh, new habits to form in my life. And so the relationship with God was distant. And so I'd become double-minded to some extent. And that was beginning to take over the journey. And when I, I knew what I needed to do, but I really didn't want to do it. Because I had in, this, in my mind that I would reconnect with God and he was just going to beat the tar out of me. Right? I mean, it was like, and, and I think we have that picture of God, right? That, that God gets so upset with us. He's sitting on his throne with lightning bolts and he's up there, ah, a plague, hurricane, ah. And I had this thought in my brain that, you know, I really don't want to do this because this is going to be horribly painful. But I also realized I can't stay on the road I'm on because it's just not right. So I, I called the Marywood Conference Center. If you're not familiar, it's a Roman Catholic conference center over in, across the river in Switzerland. Beautiful little, little area. And I went down there reluctantly the whole time trying to talk myself out of going. And I finally got there. I checked in. I, I put my stuff in the room. And there they have, um, have a walking trail that covers the the stages of the cross. I said, you know what? I'm just going to walk through that. I got about four feet in, and I started praying, 
And I said these words, Lord, I'm so sorry. And it was like the Holy Spirit just, just poured into my life. And I went through every one of the stations and stopped at every one and knelt down and prayed. Didn't really pay attention to the stations. I just knelt down and prayed and just weeped at every one of them. And about an hour later, I came out and I said, you're so dumb. It didn't have to be this way. But instead of living life in humility before God, you were double-minded. Don't do that again. Now, I'm not going to tell you that since that moment, it's never happened, and I've never gotten on, off path, and there hasn't had to be course corrections. Uh, that's a pretty common occurrence with somebody like me. But, 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 the, but the truth is, is that you realize real quickly, I don't want to go there again. That's an awful place to be. Living a double-minded life is just, it's miserable. And so we, we're going through this journey, and, and right now, and everything that's happening, there's so much to talk about, so many possibilities, but good grief, Christian, come home. Come home. It doesn't mean there won't be any problems. It doesn't mean that the virus will instantly go away. It doesn't mean that all the economic issues are going to be fixed, but the only place to find joy and to find hope is when you come home. So today the challenge is simple. It's titled Intimacy with God, and, and really most of us as followers of Jesus, we, we know the routine we know we need to read scripture. We know we need to pray. We need to worship. We know we need to do all those things. But when those things become a checklist of things we do instead of about the king, they're just things we do. So I want to challenge you in this very real, difficult time of life. Now's the time to come home. That's where the hope is. That's where the joy is. Stop fighting it. You're not going to win. Come home. Come home. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I, I want to tell you there, there's no place on this planet you would never, you would rather be than in relationship with God. There's all kinds of things to pursue. There's all kinds of things to chase after. You can chase after money. You can chase after careers. You can chase after relationships. You, all kinds of things you can dedicate your life to. But there's only one real thing that lasts forever. And that's your relationship with God. And so if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life as your forgiver and leader, we want to invite you to make that decision today. And I want you to know that the, the same God who, who says, just humble yourself before me and I'll lift you up, is the same God who looks at you as a non-believer and says, kneel before me and I'll lift you up. And you'll find exactly what you're looking for.
And so if you're here and you would like to talk about that decision, I'd love to spend time with you when we're done. Let's talk about that. Or if you're watching online and uh, you would like to, to know more or talk about that, please contact me. And the information is there for you to, to do that. But don't waste this difficult time. And miss the opportunity to connect with God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness and your love. I thank you that with all the ridiculous things I've done in my life, that you're always ready to lift me up in relationship anew. And Father, I'll, I'll confess, I, I don't know why I was supposed to talk about this today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is living a double-minded life, that the day they'd come home. And Lord, if there's anyone who knows that they need you, but there's something holding them back, please remove whatever barrier is there. Let them connect with you today. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for that powerful name of Jesus, in whose name I pray, amen. That, in response, I'd like to ask you to sing the song with us that invites us to come and to meet Jesus where we are and allow him to change our life.
If you're in the auditorium, you can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to talk just for a second about the offering. We're not going to take the offering up as we normally do. We're going to have uh, baskets on either side. If you're here, if you're at home and would like to give, uh, there are options to give online. Uh, also, you can drop uh, offerings by the church office during the week, and uh, there will be people here. But think about what is it that you have to offer to the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Gary, check, check. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us in the uh, uh, auditorium today, and thank you for joining us online. For all the parents out there, we want to encourage you to go to our website, murrayhill.church, murrayhill.church. I'm going to say it one more time because I haven't said my three things like candy, candy, candy this year. So murrayhill.church, there is a survey. We want to come alongside of you parents and really engage with you with your kids, whether that is with videos or printed material. Uh, we want to help uh, you engage in growing the spiritual development of your children. And so uh, anything you can do to help us out, please take that survey. Um, also, we are excited. About six months ago, we didn't really think any of this stuff was going to go on. We didn't really think that we would be live streaming. And um, through the six months of trial and error, um, in a couple of weeks, we are going to launch an online campus. And so the biggest impact is going to be on Sunday mornings. We will also have the capability to have special services. Uh, we're going to walk through that a little bit next week, a little bit more of the details. But just wanted to give you a heads up for everybody watching online. This will be a shift. We will not be broadcasting to Facebook just because of the way that we're going to streamline everything. In addition, on YouTube, we still will broadcast to YouTube, but we're going to disable the comments section there because within this online campus uh, ecosystem, we're going to create a community. There's going to be chat features there. There'll be a Bible feature there. You can take notes. You can download the notes. And it's a whole ecosystem that will allow us to have, just as we have an uh, in-person community, we'll have an online community. So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. And then we'll give you a little bit more details, maybe walk through what it is. And we'll keep this in front of you because this is going to launch. And it's going to go alongside of our new series as Pastor. Pastor Doug walks through the Psalms. So in a couple of weeks on the 23rd, we're going to launch our new series as well as our online campus. So with all that, we thank you. We'll see you next week and we'll uh, have a great week.